Welcome to Essie's Hour of Love! We're back! Woo -hoo! <laughs> You've got the three of us here. This is the first time the three of us have done an intro. Yeah. So Grace and Nancy. Here I am. Hey guys, welcome back. So, um... It's we are so excited for our new season. This is the first time we've ever like taken a break, which was we needed. We now yeah. have seasons. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're stepping up We're in the stepping world. Stepping up. So we hope that you had a wonderful summer in America and a lovely winter in Australia. Yes. We're dealing with all the seasons. <laughs> <laughs> Two of them. <laughs> so we've already done quite a few recordings for this season, so we definitely know that we have got episodes where we interview a witch. Which is Pretty much. Yes. <laughs> Which I actually didn't realize until halfway through the episode. Uh, lots about breakups. Yes. Breakups kind comes out theme. theme. Yeah. Standard theme. Rom coms. Classic. Essie <laughs> always finds a way. Yeah. Uh, parents. There's, parents comes up a lot about um, the sort of the way that you're brought up and how that sort of influences your relationships going forward yeah. mainly because i'm reading a book <laughs> that i haven't finished yet but apparently i mention it on every episode the book is called a book about love mm -hmm. and i just love it uh so that that just really comes into those episodes <laughs> don't worry we're gonna give her a new book to read yes. soon <laughs> um australia is a big theme this year uh, so jimmy uh, the guy who records our episodes has run away to australia because he's fallen in love with an australian we're not Which sure i still can't wait to hear this story. story i know oh he was on our of course he, he was, was on, on the show on the show um, we, I'm also about to run off to Australia. We've got a guest coming on that's talking about her love for New York and Australia. It's all happening. We went speed dating. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> Grace and I went speed dating. We tried. That was exciting. Now we're going to start our own speed dating company because we Yeah, I really want to do that. It's called Essie's Hour of Love. <laughs> yeah. No, guys, I'm serious. Yeah. No, we're I know you're that. serious. I'm okay, cool. Great. Uh, and, you know, we're all still single. Yeah. <laughs> just thought we would update you just in case you wanted to know. Yeah. And then, so we're going to be releasing episodes every two weeks. And Wednesdays now. Oh, we're moving nice. over from Tuesday to Wednesday. And then if you have any suggestions, always let us know. We love the oldies. And, you know, we always know that they're, they actually have a bit more to talk about and a little bit more, more wisdom to share with us, all the old youngins. Yeah, so any suggestions of um, new guests, please send them our way, either through essiesareoflove at gmail.com or through our website. Uh, so we have a theme for this season. And the theme, it's kind of for ourselves, not necessarily for the episodes, but we want to... Uh, take a few more risks we want to kind of get out of our comfort zone so we're going to try new things so if an episode maybe doesn't feel exactly the same as the one beforehand or we I don't know what just we're new introducing different content themes, we're introducing yeah. new content like just go with it guys and <laughs> let us know if you like it or not because we're kind of just trying to find who we are and what truly is Essie's Hour of Love and Absolutely. we got to try new things to know that yeah so we're so excited to introduce this week's guests and our season opener, Lisa Marie Bazil. She's an editor, writer, and poet, and also, as we mentioned earlier, a witch. So she has some really cool rituals that she talks about. You can also check them out on her sites. Um, she was recommended by episode 27 guest Laura Delorado, whom we love. Um, we went and got drinks with the two of them the other night, and we found her voice calming. She's quite soothing to oh, speak. Oh, she's so soothing. Oh, so soothing. 
Um, you can find her at Lisa Marie Bazil on Instagram or check out her website at Lisa, uh, Lisa M We're going to send all the links out on our posts and on our website. Also make sure to check out her magazine, Luna Luna Mag, and you can read all about her rituals and get some really cool insight. Hope you guys enjoy. 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 Loving So I have to um, jump in straight away, and I'm fascinated about foster care. Ask away. Yeah. So <clears throat> my poor, poor listeners, because I'm reading this one book, which oh. I've only made it to this like the 60th page, and I still keep yeah, quoting on it. I know, because I love it. It's, the book great. is literally called A Book About Love, oh. and but they talk a lot about, and I stuffed this up on the previous podcast. I realized I said the first two months of, but it's the first two years of okay. a child being born and how the relationship with, they, we talk about the mother a lot. It talks right. about the mother a lot and they're like, it's not because we don't like dads, it's just, yeah. let's be realistic. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, <laughs> right. and, and they're also talking about like uh, behavioral studies back d- done in like the 50s and 60s and that's okay. why they're especially they talking about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> but it just talks about how important those first two years are and how there's been so many case studies done about the the impact of if if there is turmoil oh in those God. first two years, it can have a huge like effect on your education, future relationships, everything. everything. So then I kept going to foster care, and foster foster care to me is like luck of the draw of this. Oh yeah, right. It, it's just like it's just like who knows what will happen. So and there's so many variables. So how did you even? Um, rock up in foster care. Yeah. Which I doubt you rocked up, but like... I kind of rocked up. (laughs) I was like, I'm here. No, I... I mean, yeah, actually, my foster care experience was very weird, and I had a really lucky life. Like, I know that sounds really strange, and, um... But, yeah, I was in foster care from, like, 15 until I aged out, which is a really random time to be in it. But we had... What's aged out? Is that like 18? 18, like illegal. Except that I didn't age out because I stayed back a year um, because of foster care stuff. So I had to stay with my foster family to finish high school. Um, So I really technically, like legally aged out at 18, which meant I'm free to go. I don't have to be in foster care. But I stayed with them um, through to 19 because I had to finish high school. So I was with them just just to finish. my mom gained custody back of my brother and I, well, I was an adult, but she gained custody back of my brother, like, right as I was turning 19. So it, it meant that, like, my family was back together at the point when I was just going to college. So it was like, Sayonara foster care, now moving to another state, don't even get to go back to my mom, which was fine because I got to go back on weekends. Um, and you're 19 now and you're wanting to go to college. Yeah, and, and I, like mending that wound was not like a priority i was sort of just like i'm gonna go party in new york this is gonna yeah. be awesome um some me time focus yeah on exactly yeah. but i repressed like all the foster care trauma for those four years like i just had a great time and then when i got out and i got to grad school and i got to living my life i was like 
oh my god, I am carrying around like the heaviest baggage of my life and I had no idea that this wound was so large. And it took a long time to deconstruct and I'm totally cool now and I speak out about it because I feel like people, because foster care wasn't just like 15 to 19 for me, there was many years leading well, up. Well that's, I have to say, can we hear the, yeah, because 15, I mean I, I'm, Obviously, I've watched a movie where it's young children, because that, that's what's popped into my exactly. head about foster care. Exactly. Or it is the... T I mean, really, because... Let's be real. It's... I guess if you're under two, you're much more likely to get adopted. Yes. Right? So yes. foster care will always be slightly older, and as you get older, you're less yeah. likely to be adopted or, right. you know... So, yeah, so what was... What was ha Why did you even end up in foster care? Yeah, it's um. So essentially, my parents were pretty young when they had me, and everything was fine for a while, um, until I was around like ten, and then my father started dabbling in drugs, and life kind of broke apart at that point, and he moved away, and he was like in and out of rehab. And do you then, remember much of this? Or? I do. Like, I have a crazy elephant memory. And so the memories are very vivid, very sharp, very real. Um, and I just, I remember everything. I remember, like, the falling apart and all the little times where I, you know, didn't see them or I had to go visit or, or, or things just felt off. And I was young and I didn't have, like, the language or the emotional capacity to really understand it but I knew that things were just really bad um where were you where's home oh New Jersey okay so really close um and yeah we lived in the suburbs and life was pretty good and everything was great like our grandparents were alive and they were living nearby and everything was wonderful and then it just wasn't like that um and then do you know that that's actually the case now like I mean as a child I could imagine it seeing like that but was there actually a lot going on behind the scene like um, for your dad to sort of even, I guess, start? Well, I think he was always a rebel. And okay. he had been a partier, and both my parents were party animals. Like, they came into the marriage and into having children, I think, with, like, years' worth of lower socioeconomic backgrounds, parents that were very strict and religious, um, and just natural, like, rebellion streaks. So I think they were always a kind of living on an edge and they repressed it when they had kids and then it kind of just like bubbled and came through. And I think with my mom, she was really sad. I, I actually don't really know what happened with her. I never really asked what the catalyst was, but I'm assuming it was just like general depression. And one thing led to another um, and she just kind of spiraled out of control. Like she tried to work, she lost her jobs. And then we really didn't have any family left. Like, we have a very, we had a large family. None of them were really, like, around or cared. And the ones that did were either dead or dying or older, not in a way to, like, take care of my brother and I. So to make a long story short, like, she was working on herself and going to therapy and going to rehab, but she just couldn't stick through. So she lost custody of us for various probably probably various reasons and um weirdly enough like I had a boyfriend at the time I was young I was 15 but I had this boyfriend he's still my best friend mm. and he he came from a very artistic family they were amazing and um they like knew some theater people and they were like before you get put into the foster system 
let's talk to these people. I think they've fostered a kid before. Maybe they'd be willing to talk to you. So it happened that they lived nearby in New Jersey, where I lived, where I was living. Um, and they took me in. It was crazy. My brother went with a different family, a really great family, I should add, and not very far away, but we were separated. Um, and they were wonderful. How did that, I mean... Also sorry. through connections. I definitely feel like if I'm getting too nitty gritty, just like... Don't worry, you're, you're not. Okay. I, I write extensively and I believe it's important okay. to get these stories out. Because some, like, someone would have probably had to notify that you, you were in an unhealthy situation. Or yes. like, so yeah, how did... Yeah, I think it was a truancy officer because at, at some point around 15, um, we, we were in a homeless shelter. And it was crazy, and it probably for two years, and you were in a homeless shelter for two years. Yeah, around two years, three of them, um, which was just like the worst ever. And it was because my mother couldn't work; like she was focusing on going to daily rehab, and we just had no one. Like there was no one to live with. Was 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 she still? mothering at this time yeah. or she so she was still yeah i mean protector for sure she was mothering she was living with us in these homeless shelters she was spending her days going to rehab and therapy and we were going to school and doing our thing but at night we'd come back to the homeless shelter and she just couldn't get it together enough to like pay rent like she couldn't keep a job also, she's a mother of two, a single mother yeah. of two and you're saying she was yeah. uh, and uh, Trying to get sober. Well, trying. Yeah, which would have was a, a cost to exactly. it as well. And yeah. just even being a single mom anyway with two children. I um, know. Is and she, you know, she's not educated, so it wasn't. So she wasn't she getting various. a great salary. Exactly. So, um, but yeah. by that point, like once we got out of the homeless shelter, I do have like some blobs of my memory are a little bit like missing because I think trauma like erases yeah. certain transitional periods but um we like went to go live in my grandmother's house my grandma was really sick and we weren't supposed to live there it was a senior citizen place so we were staying there with in her place illegally and I stopped going to school my mother just didn't make me I was so depressed I was like I'm not going to school and she just didn't make me go to... She was, lo- she was, like, losing it. She just couldn't contain, I think, all her own... She was just falling apart and let everything else fall apart. And I think um, a school officer notified the... I'm sure of it, because I wasn't going to school. Which is why I stayed back later on. So, um, how are you feeling going... Because there would have been points... When do you go to high school in America? How old are you? Um, 13. 13, 12, 13. So you're going at 12, 13, you're going to high school. You're, that's when you would probably be in the homeless shelter. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm guessing you're not getting new clothes and all that. Very kind. few. So, you know, you're sort of going to this time of your life where you're so self-conscious yeah. and aware of judgment. As a, as a girl. As a girl yeah. as well. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, how are you, how are you handling that? that time especially in high school um well the first high school I was in for my so here it's 9 through 12 those are high school grades so the first year ninth grade was when I was in homeless shelters slash leading up to the homeless the first homeless shelter and I actually was fine I was very young I had a good amount of friends we were all kind of outsiders in our own way it was a very poor neighborhood so we had all come from our own 
issues. So it wasn't a cr- it, yeah. I guess that's a that's a good yeah. thing to know. It's not like you're going to this beautiful private school well, and you were the one. My oh. next one was. Oh okay. <laughs> so oh. yeah, I jumped the gun. <laughs> yeah, no, it gets like so much worse. So I was in the first school and it was fine. Like I blended in, it was fine. I think I probably maybe told a few people, but very few, and I kept my life a secret in big ways because you can't invite people over. Um, but, you know, everything was okay. Like, we were the goth kids. We just, like, hung out in the corners, like, smoking clove cigarettes and talking about vampires or whatever we were doing. And um, then when I eventually got through that homeless shelter situation and then got into foster care, I was in 10th grade. And um, I had to repeat 10th grade which was just devastating because I, I was very smart. I just failed because of, you know, trauma. Um, and then that new school was just like wealthy. It was a Republican town. It was like nose job, cars for graduation. Everyone goes tanning. Everyone is beautiful. Everyone plays sports. There's very little like fringe demographic at this school, so I just felt like I was thrown into this alternate universe. And why were you there? The family? The foster family lived there. So they're also quite a wealthy family as well? I think so. Yeah, I think they were were very well off. Right. So you're also now living at a house that you've probably... Yeah. Like a whole different experience. Just a whole different... They were, like, working in theater. They were in their 60s. They were kooky and quirky and theatrical. They were also strict and demanding and disciplinarians who put me in my place because I had no discipline. Did they have kids? They didn't have kids um, for their own private reasons. And then um, I think they had fostered a child once, but it didn't work out. I think like, and I write about this in an upcoming um, post I'm doing for Narratively, uh, I think a large part of that was a symbiosis. They wanted something, I think, in their lives to make it feel whole in some way that was missing. And I think they looked upon me as the opportunity to feel like a family in some way, even though many other parts of their lives were going great. Um, But I was emotionally just... I mean, I was scooped out. Like, there wasn't, there, I was a shell. I was nothing. I was just nothing. I didn't really make any friends. I just, I just, I don't even know what I did. I wrote constantly and, and all the time during lunch and during gym and, you know, before school and after school. Really, it kind of built who I am today, those, those three years of just, like, solitude. Um, Had you always been writing? Or yeah. Was this, yeah. Yeah, but I think then it was just like, oh, oh yeah. my god, I have. I, but it I wasn't like, a new hobby you picked. No, up. I shouldn't say hobby. <laughs> a new type of therapy yeah. that you just picked up. Yeah. Yeah, it was like I guess it was just what I had always done, but um, just to like a million times that extent, and then um, so I think they really needed me to like show them love and feel like I wanted to be there and. I think in some way they like almost wanted credit for saving me, but I just felt like I, A, I should say I'm very privileged in that I wasn't shuffled through the system like many foster kids are, and that, you know, my boyfriend's family at the time found them, and they were great, and they were wonderful, and they took care of me. They weren't like abusive. They, you know, they gave me opportunities, and they taught me how to drive, and all those things. 
But they didn't take the time to really, I think, understand my pain. So they just wanted me to move through. Like, come on, now you're here. Like, now we're a family. Now you're going to go meet my family. Now you're going to be a part of these things. And it's like, I can barely wake up. And I, I just, I cannot pretend to be your daughter now. There's, that's not happening. And also they were really kind of like, um, I felt like they were, they judged my mother. They, they thought of her as like, a problem, a statistic, instead of a human who had a sickness, which I know was the case, and anyone I think who's, you know, knows anything about addiction, there's a person under there. Um, so, you know, I was also young, and maybe I didn't quite understand the relationship that I was in with them, and how, you know, when you're 16, like, things just don't, 17, things just don't, like, become as clear as now if I were a 32-year-old in foster care. Also, just, you know, people's actual parents struggle with their teenage children. Right. Like, it's the hardest <laughs> right. moment. Then throw in that you don't even know these people. And, no, I know. And the past that you've just had, like, yeah. it's just, I mean, it would have been a miracle <laughs> if this all was, like, dandy. It, it, it didn't, like, it didn't work out in a dandy way because I, like, pieced out of that house the second I had a moment. I actually, like, packed my bags while they were not home and, like, left. After four years or five? After, like, three years. Three I years. was I was just like, I'm done. My mom has custody. I'm done. Like, I got into an argument with them and left. And, of course, looking back, I wish I could have just been more mature and, and been like, thank you so much for taking care of me, first of all. Second of all, I am not emotionally mature enough to deal with this, so I'm going to leave in a good way. But instead, I, like, shattered everything and just left, left the house and left the relationship and cut the cord in, like, such a traumatic way. Um, did you ever reach back out? I did. I, I emailed and I apologized and, and um, they seemed understanding and, I think, sad and hurt and offended, but also accepting that I was young and kind of broken and didn't know how to behave do you still feel the need, to, do you ever get a bigger need to sort of go and, like, yeah, nourish this relationship? I, I do. I, like, consistently question whether I should just write to them and say, okay, I know I already apologized, but now I have an even more of an understanding of what happened, and I just want to let you know nothing was your fault, even though I completely made it seem like it was. I said that they were too strict and too needy, and whether those things are true or not, like, I did kind of crash and burn the end of it. But I also, like, forgive myself because I was young and troubled. Yeah. So it's... Do you, when you look back, um, are there moments, though, that, that you, like, did, did they create a safe place for you? Did you feel safe? Like, yes. what were the, what was some good stuff that came out of that? There was so much love. There was just so much love, and I'm glad that I am able to, like, conjure that memory because it's real. Um, I mean, there, there was just little, little things like they would just invite me to everything. And though I felt it was oppressive because I just needed to be alone so I could move through my pain. Like deep down, I knew they wanted to include me and that inclusion was a part of them loving me. And, you know, little things like they would just latch on to whatever book I was reading or whatever movie I was mm -hmm. watching and they would maybe buy me something and be like this I think you might like this too um I know those are really simple but 
those are like those little magical like glimmers that weave themselves throughout the years that you look back on and you remember there was like a deep humanity and care here but it's mostly underscored by like my teenage rebellion and angst and sadness um I mean yeah they were like wonderful to me in so many ways and I definitely like feel the love now even though my younger self probably didn't feel the love because I don't think I allowed myself to feel much of anything um which is crazy because it's like an old it's like I don't know, it's kind of like a star, like starlight. You see it, it's shining now, but it had died a long time ago. And somehow that love like kind of carries through and lives now, even though at the time it wasn't even noticed. How do you, um, how do you feel about you having children? Um, well, I'm totally on the fence about having children, but not because of traumatic reasons. Um, I um, would love to have kids because... I think it would enable me to give love unconditionally and be selfless and um, um, see the world through a new lens instead of my own. Uh, but I also don't want kids because I want to have a fun time. Um, <laughs> so, are you at all in like? Are you in a relationship? I'm right? in a five year deep relationship. Oh, okay. So yeah, this is a this yeah. is a question. It's yeah. a thing. Yeah. yeah, and he deeply wants children. So, I'm just hoping that like, I'm 32. I've got a little bit left on the clock, <laughs> and hopefully, like, maybe at 38, I will change my mind and want children immediately, and hopefully my body will work. <laughs> Did you have, because I definitely um, had a moment, I think, maybe 28, 29, when I just started to notice babies more, and... Like, yeah, you know, like I felt yes. like even my room right now has become a lot more <laughs> homey. Like, I'm like, what is going on? You know, I like my plants and my babies. Yeah, like, I take it very personally if, if there's like a dry leaf, you know, on this. Like, you're like, what did I do? I failed you. Yeah, I really like. I feel like I'm in first try. It's funny. I was thinking about it the other day of how, especially my friends in Australia, they some of them have done the very classic, you know, thing. Have get get a good job have a boyfriend they move in together they get a puppy they buy a house they yeah. get married and and a lot of them are pregnant now and I'm like oh my god I just got a plant <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm trying to keep it alive I know which I'm sure they did 10 years ago you know? they're like oh the plant the pl that's yeah. so done yesterday. which is funny because in recovery I remember the film with Sandra Bullock um, 28 days oh, yeah. and they're like you know when you get out of recovery get a plant they're like the first thing is get a plant and if you if yeah. you can keep the plant alive yeah. for a year then you're yeah, maybe a relationship, relationship. <laughs> a relationship that's that's a really good like that's a good like um what's the word that's a good thing to do I think yeah. I think that makes sense but the reason I wanted to ask you about having a baby um is that when I became an au pair and I lived with a family with four kids, all under the wow. age of 15. Interesting. From like, so there was a six-year-old, 11-year-old, 12-year-old, and 15-year-old. Oh my goodness, you had your hands full. I did, in, wow. a, in a lovely way, but I, it made me reflect a lot <laughs> on the way that I was brought up. Mm. And it made me understand a lot more of why mum may have acted like that and why dad did that. Like, it, it really, yes. it, yeah, I, I started to go, oh my gosh, that... I was such a freaking pain or right. I, I didn't realize at all what you were 
probably going through. There's like, no way. There's just... You're so... Yeah. And I don't think selfish is the word because you don't haven't learnt it yet. Right. You know? Um, and funny I say that because I actually, like... I think I was so caring... Like, really too much was affected about, like, if my parents were happy or not or whatever. But not the day-to-day. Not the thought that you've been at work for 12 hours. Exactly. And that I, maybe I should help. You know, right, you're exhausted. Yeah, I'm just being a little. I'm jerk. just thinking. I, you know, you're on this earth to provide for me, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> but I, I wonder for you if it would, even for especially even for your the foster family to to be like, wow, you did this. Yeah. For me, and I wasn't even sort of your child, and. Oh yeah. my gosh! Yeah, I, I definitely think before life gets, you know, life gets in the way and time gets shorter. Um, I need to reach out and, and, and make that really clear to them. Um, I'm curious if you would just, to send them this podcast. Th- that. <laughs> no, they're really sue me. But yeah. even, yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. they're, they're really, they're, they want to, they keep, they, yeah, they like their privacy. They like yeah. people not to know, but even just, um, not even saying I'm sorry again or acknowledging what happened in the past, but if you could just send an update. I think that would like, be amazing. Like a where people send Christmas cards and you're yeah. like, oh, I have no yeah. idea what you've been mm. doing for all of this time. But not necessarily a Christmas card, just a here I am, wanted to give you guys an update, been thinking about you. Just something I, I think I, sh- I think I should do that. And I think it would be the right thing to do. And um, as I've had a few like deaths in my family this year, which has somehow like completely changed the way that I view everything on earth. And so those deaths have really illuminated to me the preciousness of life. And it has had, you know, not just this conversation, but I have been thinking about reaching out and and just being like, life is crazy and sad and dramatic and beautiful and wonderful and surprising. And you took me in for three like you didn't have to do that you didn't have to spend a dime on me and you did and it's beautiful and I hated you but I recognize that that was a false a false emotion and um thanks so much for being amazing like no matter all the drama um I think it's probably you know they're quite a bit older than me so I should now while I can and what was the um what was the relationship like with your boyfriend during that? Did you guys stay together for most of that time? <laughs> um, e- yes. So the boyfriend at the time, he, <laughs> it makes me laugh because he's so great and like we're so close. Oh yeah, because you're best friends. We're, we're like best Still friends. Close. I was just texting him like before I got here about like the characters on Star Trek that I would have sex with, <laughs> and he was like writing me back, and I'm just like, I love you. You're great. Um, yeah, we were together from 15 to 20, so through the whole entire thing. That's a long time. A long time, and he was my anchor and my grounding force. So even though they were really strict and um, they... Actually, I have my timeline a little messed up. We did break up during the end of my time in foster care, like right near the end, maybe like six months. Um, like six months before I left. Yeah, so he was there throughout almost all of it, and he took care of me, and he was wonderful, and his parents were wonderful, and they, so I had this strict, intense, like, sad life in New Jersey, 
And then sometimes on the weekends, I would take the train into New York, which I don't know how on God's earth, like my foster parents let me do this because they were so strict, but they did because they trusted him. I would go to see him in New York and his parents who were amazing artists would take me to galleries and the ballet and Lincoln Center and and they would they would just give me the nourishment of creativity that I would never have gotten on my own probably in a lot of ways with my biological family so between the two families I was in like the sea of sadness and really like rebirth mm -hmm. and it's just the crazy I look back and I feel very privileged um, and I just wish that like other, you know, other foster kids had outlets like I was given because they don't and they're lonely and they're probably hurting in a lot of ways that I probably didn't experience. I, uh, yeah, I read this in my book that I love, called <laughs> a book about love. <laughs> uh, one woman, um, became, uh, she became a specialist in uh, adoption and foster care, I think, and she ended up adopting a few she had her own child oh, and then I love she it. but she said that it was the hardest experience of her life and she's like I have been giving people advice on this and she's like I thought I knew all the you know the tricks yeah. and the way to do it and she's like you can never prepare wow for the emotions that you're going to go through with with this experience right. and um she's like and and really learned that there's going to be times where you have thoughts that are not, they're not nice. Yeah. And like, why you, did I do this? Yeah. And these are not my children, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, or right. especially when you have some that are and some that aren't and, and to know that that is natural and right. that you don't truly really feel that way. And, but she really, apparently she's been criticized a lot about how open she is about it, but oh. she's like, it, it, she goes, I can't, I don't want to lie to these people. Oh my God. This will be a very tough experience. I have so many thoughts about that because first of all, that's incredible that she's done that. Second of all, I think it's so important to be honest about those sorts of things because if we're not and we sugarcoat everything, then anytime anyone feels these things and they have nowhere to go, there's nowhere, there's no one to commiserate with. Like you can't just Google well, you think you're an awful person as yeah. well. That's the thing. You think you're the only person that's right. felt this way and I can't talk about it with anyone right. else because obviously everyone else loves what they're doing and right. you know, it's their experience they're having looks yeah. great. And exactly. Yeah. It, that's fascinating. And yeah. I, uh, yeah. I, she, um, I want to read up a little bit more on like, it's just such a great book, guys. You've got to read this book. A book, book. about love. Yeah, I will. But, but I, do, um, I do keep thinking about your mum in this situation. Yeah. And so now you're becoming, you know, you're seeing New York and you're going to this wealthy school and yeah. she is like, so, yeah, what's going on? Strangely enough, and I know this sounds completely unbelievable, but um, a lot of those years I blanked out lots of things. Um... And a large part of that was what my mother was doing. I don't even recall phone calls with her, even though I know that they happened. Like, I know that they happened, and I know that we visited. She was never estranged. She was always in the picture, always keeping up with me. She was never clueless as to what was going on in my life. And I know that for a fact. But it doesn't... It do, I don't have the specifics, like, in my mind... Um, I don't even remember like being on the phone with her, even though I know it happened. I really think my mind just closed up, 
but um, as far as what I've pieced together, because I haven't directly asked her because she doesn't really love talking about it. Um, that can't be an easy conversation. It's not. No. And like, I, I keep thinking, oh, I'm going to get older and it'll be a natural conversation for us to have. But it's never natural and it's never good and it's never easy and she just ends up crying out of guilt. Yeah, I mean, as a mother, it's the moment, like, your kids are taken away from you. Yeah. You're, you're incapable of fulfilling your duties. As a mom. As yeah. a mom, to some standards, whether or not, yeah. like, the love is still there, that's not a question. Exactly. Yeah. I do, I, I completely agree, and I'm, uh, I don't at all even want to begin to feel what your, I mean, to understand what your mom went through, but I do think that they're, Take, take this situation out and let's just talk journaling for four seconds so I feel comfortable to say it. Yeah. But I do think that a parent uh, that can share a bit about what actually happened in your childhood so you can move on yeah. Yeah, is really important. And I, I don't agree. think it's easy at all. And I definitely know that there's certain things I haven't been able to ask my parents about yet and but right. there's been like every year there's a little something I can get out there's more. like a nugget you can yeah and it's it. like it's funny it's like when they're sharing with me I don't even know I'm gonna ask the question but then it's like right. my brain knows when like there's an opening that I can like, oh my gosh that's like true. get in there true and my I have to give credit to my dad once I started when I moved to America I was in a pretty bad place and I started to go to see a therapist and I told him I said that's what I'm going to do and I could hear like it's on the phone he's in Australia but I could hear his like big swallow and sort of goes well if you have any questions I'm here to answer it like there was no like oh you're down or like there was no sort of like let's cover this and I didn't I I, funny it made me like go oh what should I be asking you? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I don't want to yeah. open those floodgates. But I, you know, I hope, I guess, one day that maybe you, yeah. if you, if you need to know. I you know? do, I do. And you know what I do? I agree with you. Like, there's always little, like, tiny windows that open. But I think that the issue is my mother is very unresolved with a lot of things. Yeah. So her giving anything extra means, like, dashing open a wound that she hasn't confronted I think completely yeah that's where I think my parents have done a lot of self-work and that's great yeah yeah. it's so I mean that's so great like I mean yeah I'm different from my mom I'm very much like here's the sickness here's a solution and she's very much like okay it's under the rug it's under the rug it's under the rug it's so far under the rug I don't even remember it anymore um but I, well, I will that, ask. Does that have anything to do with, like, her upbringing and her... Yeah, I would think so. Um, my my grandmother, her mom, is, is was amazing. And she definitely, like, was there for me throughout a lot of my parents' struggles and addictions before she got really sick and passed away. Um, and she was a wonderful, warm, loving lady. But she also had drinking issues um, throughout my mother's childhood. And so did her dad, my grandfather. So I think like anyone, you carry this like wound with you throughout your whole life mm. and the things that you've experienced as a child, I think she had some pain watching her parents both be addicted to alcohol, um, kind of made her passive and like sheepish and, and a little weak. 
and I don't think she had anyone around to bolster her. Yeah. Um, so I think she carried that through her adult life, and when things got hard, the natural inclination was to turn to some sort of substance and also to, like, to be inside that weakness. Um, and I've, I've, I, like, write in a journal pretty extensively these days, so I've been trying to, like, figure out the character of my mother um, because I think it's important to understand where she comes from so I can, like, move on. Um, but, yeah, you're right about, like, puzzling it back together by asking questions, which I... Yeah, she's, yeah. I, I do think she'll talk to me. It's just kind of like, oh, do I even want to go, go there? Go yeah. there. Oh, no, I hear you. <laughs> I am completely. Um, but, but are you guys close now? I oh, mean, super yeah. close. We talk like 57 times a day. I mean, that sounds really creepy. No, no. It's amazing. It's just, it's, she's just like, hey, how's it going? I'm like, hi, mom. She's like, what you doing? I'm like, I'm nothing. And she's like, okay, well, I just want to say hi. And I'm like, Okay, hi mom. <laughs> but she does it a lot, and she's she's very sweet. Yeah. Now, and she's doing well. Yeah, sorry. Oh no, I'm just so your brother. I'm curious. Yeah. What is the age gap there? Eight years. That's a big gap. And we're very different people. So wait, right, f- he was seven. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I was fifteen, and he he yeah he was seven. He was very little. Um, that is the same age. Just side note, um, my parents got divorced. I was seven. My sister was fifteen. Wow, like the same. Two We're different eight realities. Years. Yeah, completely That's different experience. Completely different no, but totally different. No, not you. I'm saying from a seven year old. Oh, time that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah completely no, yeah, different. Com- like different realities. Yeah. Like she went off to college. Yeah. I had two different You're homes I grew up in. I was like, what? This is Wait, you were seven yes. when your parents got divorced? Mm-hmm. Me too. Yeah. Wow. Mm. That's, I think seven is probably a con- I feel like people make it like seven years in, they're like, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we tried. <laughs> like, this kid can talk and go to yeah. school now. Yeah. Like, I'm peeping out. <laughs> um, yeah, he's, he, I'm very like emotionally open and I talk about things. Um, and I'm I'm a writer, so I naturally am like trying to figure things out. He's very much like he does not he does not enjoy talking about it. And he doesn't want to go there. Like he's he's, he's just, like it happened. It's in the past. Yeah, and he won't. We don't know, need to be yeah. there. He's he's not he's not even an inch into figuring that out. I think. There's been a few moments where we're like drinking a little bit, and he's opened up a tiny bit, <laughs> and. I don't pry, but because he shuts down if you pry, whereas, like, I'll just give more. We're different people. Um, but he's a sweetheart. He's the best, and he's super close to my mom, too. So I really want to get into the witchcraft. Oh, yes. <laughs> segue. Let's do it. Got... Subtle segue. Well, I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> We're done here. I'm ready. Well, I think also, I, I mean, there must be some correlation of... The, I think so. Yeah. Of, yeah. And now, like, the listeners are probably like, what? What are you Rich, talking about? Witchcraft. witchcraft. <laughs> but what is her name? Google it. How do what is going out? on? <laughs> but I, honestly, I, I don't really know. <laughs> like, that's all, like, you, you're kind of into witchcraft. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, I want to start this off by saying I'm an atheist. Um, I think it's important to say because... Atheist means non-religious. So, I would like to hear your definition of atheism okay i don't believe in god okay um i am totally open to god if i found some proof i don't like hate people who believe i was raised sicilian catholic um i totally get it 
and I think it's like great if you believe in God and I wish I believed in God because everything would be amazing and I would be like this is awesome there's God I'm gonna go to heaven and have a great time but I don't believe that which is terrible um, I think a lot of people think atheists are like entitled like you know snotty jerks about it and some are but I think most of us are just like damn um, well, I think sometimes people can get caught up with atheism and anti-religion. Exactly. And the two exactly. don't need to go hand in hand. It's like feminism and misandry. Yes. Like, they're not related. No. <laughs> totally. I agree with you. Um, so when I say witchcraft, I mean to say I like to think of all of us as a having power of intention. So whether it's through meditation or just through simple daily rituals that... Um, you do to keep yourself sane or to have self-care or to just make space for certain emotions um, I think we can all take cues from witchcraft um, or Wicca as a religion and so I would consider myself a witch for a few reasons one is that I think witches are you know badass rebel women throughout history who've been persecuted for being unique and powerful and different um, two I think it's important to reclaim the word because so many people couldn't say that they were or were hung or burned because they they were thought they were witches. And then three, um, I like to use my intention to kind of like manifest my reality. So you could call it creative visualization. I guess you could call it just intense focus. Um, but You know all I'm right. visualizing is like, can I move that pen over there? I wish. <laughs> I know. I know it's almost like, different. I feel like that's not where she was going, also, but I like it. <laughs> so is there a male version of a witch? Is that a wizard? Well, I do think um, a lot of men Warlock? call themselves witches too. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's not a female. It's not just a female thing, although it's largely considered a female thing. But I do think men call themselves. What witches. did you say? Warlock. Warlock. <laughs> is that a thing? Warlocks were like male. You know, male. Which is, I like, thought oh. that was, yeah. yeah. I, like, I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I've always had an interest in the occult. Um, it goes back to my childhood. My dad was super into the occult, even though he was raised in the most Sicilian Catholic family on earth. Um, and he, you know, he would like, he was really, I mean, I love my dad, but he probably made some bad choices. He, like, <laughs> let me watch horror movies and talk to me about the devil. And my grandparents were very into the devil when I was um, growing up. They were like, the devil's in this house. Um, the Ouija, This Ouija board, you're bringing negative energy in here. I had a Ouija board as just for fun. Um, like, they would say that this, this, there's spirits and the spirits are following us. So I was just, like, totally surrounded by these ideas, which... By the way, Satan and witchcraft are not related. Um, but I have always been interested in the dark side and pulled toward these like shadowy themes and the study of the occult. And I got into Wicca for a little while as a teen. Um, and when I mean, I mean like I would, you know, cast circles and air and water and earth and fire. And then I sort of realized I don't like the, the structured form of that. Like, just like I don't, I don't associate with religion, um, organized religion, so I just kind of create little, you know, um, eclectic rituals for myself, and I consider that a form of witchcraft. So it was interesting when you talked about religion before, you said, I w would love that, I just have never seen any proof. Mm. 
so with what you do and and your your spiritual because I, I guess I see it as spiritual I guess right? so it's somewhat spiritual or, or your yeah. practice yeah um do, do you feel like you've seen proof or was or have I mixed your words up and you're like saying I'm just saying that I haven't had proof that there is a god yeah you know? no it's a great question I think they're kind of related like I don't think I would I don't think that there is a god I don't know what kind of proof I'd even be after um I don't even know if I'd know the proof if it were in front of my face. Right. Um, it could, you know, the proof could be in everything, and I, I'm just, I'm just not acknowledging it. I don't know. But as far as the proof for my practice, like I really do believe the practice is simply being focused and determined, and using my words and my will and my mental energy to make something more likely to happen for me or make something um, a reality for myself. So um, I think there's as much proof as if you're determined towards something and it it um, happens, like it's probably because you gave it some energy. Kind of like The Secret, like is that, yeah, remember that book kinda, that came kinda, out? Yeah. Do you kinda know kinda like you... that, although I hate that. No, I know, I yeah. didn't, I was like, but it kind of is like but that. that. But that, I think that's what you're trying to relate it to. Yeah, it's like, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just like, for me, a ritual might be, I love to use um, writing in, in my practice, so I will, little, little strange things that I do, um, I'll worry obsessively about a family member or something that's on my mind. I ruminate on it. That's just who I am. So to get that out, like to bind that, to bind that rumination, to stop myself from doing it, to just get it out and move away, I'll write things out and I'll like have a symbol that I use that kind of represents like me moving on from it. And I fold and I write it down and I fold that piece of paper up and I like have a little area with all these things that I find very sacred and meaningful to me that represent my power and my, my, you know, my beliefs and my, my just little power objects. Um, and I just kind of put the paper there and I hope that it represents just the manifestation of this hope that I have. So it totally, um, it totally is something that probably everybody does, but they call it different names. Um, when it's come to love and like lovey-dovey love, yeah. re- relationship love, what has, what has your practice been around that? Um, in terms of like, I don't know, maybe like when you were single or oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh my God. I would cast spells when I was a kid. Um, yeah, I remember being like, I don't, young. I was young. I was like 11. And the band Hanson was really big. Oh, yeah, yes. I've heard of it. Classic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I remember being super in love with those boys. Did I, you have a favorite? Taylor. Um, okay. Oh. <laughs> Wait, the three names. There's the Isaac, mom. Zach, and Taylor. Okay. <laughs> just, like, just a friendly reminder. Just a reminder <laughs> that those are the ones. Um, I vacillated between Taylor and Zach because um, Taylor was the lead singer yeah. and Zach was the drummer. Taylor was very, um, he was front and center. Zach was like younger and more of an underdog. I think Zach was younger <laughs> than us as well. I think he was like, <laughs> he was like six. Yeah. <laughs> and we would have been like, um, yeah, I 
young teen, right? Yes. Probably. <laughs> yeah. And then there was the older brother who I didn't give even a moment of time to. Yeah. I although know. he's very handsome, and nowadays I would one hundred percent go there. Go there with him. <laughs> so Isaac Hansen, if you're listening, <laughs> call me. I, mean, I think he's very like. I think he's married. They all oh, have children. They now. have like seventeen <laughs> kids each. Yes. Oh. They live in like Utah. Yeah. And they definitely listen to this podcast. I hope. I, so. I hope they are. Mm. They they should. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I remember liking them a lot, and like my friends and I were all somehow into witchcraft. I guess it was the era of, it was the 90s, and like, probably pre the craft and all that. I was about to say, and charm was, was charm now? It was a little yeah. bit later. Yeah. But there was, like... There definitely was a vibe in the there 90s. Was a vibe. It was like, I'm even thinking of like, yeah. Liv Tyler... Totally. Right? That was yes. even the look. Yes. And, yeah. All those, like, there was just this, this... This openness toward... It's not Liv Tyler. Is it Liv Tyler? Liv... She was in, um... She was Well, she was definitely, like... The, uh, five... Party of Five. Oh, oh, um... Yeah, it was, um... What's her name? Someone's gonna be listening to this. Jennifer like, Love Hewitt? Jennifer Love No, it's the no. other one. That's similar to that. She was also... <laughs> anyway. It's a look. It's like the dark hair, the dark and hair, the yeah. leather jacket, and sort of the Le- eyeliner. Liv Tyler did do that. Yeah, I yeah. think I'm thinking about the right person. She was in yeah. like a movie about like a record label, and she looked like a Empire. 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Great movie. Was so yeah. <laughs> oh, but you know what? There was a book out when I'm talking about this time. There was a book called "So You Want to Be a Witch" by Silver Ravenwolf. That's the name. And I remember I had that book, and I was, and I bought it at like a girl's clothing store, Mandy's. Great store. Great no. store. Um, it was kind of a whatever. But Name drop. I don't actually know if they're still open. I don't think Mandy's exists. Um, but it was like... <laughs> no, you're doing a little sponsorship then? You're like, okay. Mandy's. Um, but I think that they're they're owned by what's now called Rainbow. Which explains Really? Yeah. Wow. Or they were like the same. No, company. you're so right though, because there was <laughs> right. There was Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Yeah. There was Alex something. Alex. Alex Mack. Alex, Alex Mack. Mack. She turned into slime. Right? Yeah. yeah. Well, that was. But that was kind magical of magical girl. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. like, is there still shows kind of like that now? Um. But there, so there was this era. Supernatural. There was sure. a long era. Oh yeah, Supernatural, which has been like one of the longest lasting show television shows. Been going on I've never for ever. Me, I think I've Oh, actually, sure. once Grace and I watched an episode while we were on a plane about a plane about a crash. Plane crash. So like, and the whole time we didn't allow that. We were like, that's what we thought. We were like, this is a little unnerving. Out of the 300 billion episodes, you guys, <laughs> this is what you chose. Isn't there like a regulations <laughs> department? They're like, no. Yeah, that's so true. Anyway, yes. so you put a spell on one of the handsome characters? Oh, no. So I, I this is so crazy, and I'm going to definitely make my ex-boyfriend, who was my boyfriend from 15 onward, listen to this, because he'll love it. Um... I did a spell so I could end up with a boy like the guys in Hanson. And sure enough, the boyfriend who came into my life had long blonde hair and was in a band and now his band is famous and he's like a rock star and he's on tour right now. And I remember being like, this is bonkers. I totally cast a spell and it worked. And I obviously don't believe that that's real. I think it was just, I think I just liked boys I know this hair. sounds awful, but I um, stopped listening after you said that he was a famous rock star. She's <laughs> like, how like, do I know? Who is it? How do I know who is him? this man? <laughs> man. Oh, it's, you know, Steven Tyler. No, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, uh, no, he's in a band called Consider the Source. And they're very much like a, I don't know, they're like a sci-fi 
rock, jazz, Middle Eastern trio. Like, I think that's the correct definition. Wow. And no wonder you were texting him about what oh, Star yeah. Trek character you would have sex with. Oh, totally. Yeah. I was like, Data number one. He was like, definitely Data. I was like, thank you. Thank you for understanding me. <laughs> I know he's a robot, but he's cute. Um, yeah, and his, his Neither band, one of us are reacting we're to like, that we, we don't know who Star that Trek. is. Okay, well, I know the viewers, I'm, the I'm like, I've seen the movie. Yes. but I'll show you. I know Kirk. Yeah. I don't even know. See, I think it's like a different <laughs> Star Trek thing. I, it doesn't matter. But he's a robot. He doesn't have emotions, but I find that a challenge, and that's why I'm attracted to him. So, but <laughs> that's what he looks like. Oh, yeah, I know him. Yeah, that guy. I'm into him. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway. <laughs> no, you don't. I've seen a picture of him before. <laughs> I think he's vaguely in my... I mean, that was a huge show back in the day, right? Oh, let's move on. Um, Who knows? But, but nowadays, though, is it still kind of spell world, or you're like... Oh, I absolutely have not cast a spell for anything, anything like that. I think that when I think about ritual work, um, I like to think about focusing on things that are a reality in my life, but just giving them a little bit more energy. I would never... Um, I don't think it would be wise to cast a spell to make someone love you or to do something like that because it's the path of most resistance. It's not going to be the way it should have been anyway. And why give your attention and, and direct your energy towards something that like you're forcing someone else to... But in your practice or in the world that you're in, can you do that though? Yeah, I think that people do definitely do that. Um, there are lots of different kinds of witches and I certainly can't speak for everyone in any capacity and I'm sure there's some people who do witchcraft who would say that what I'm doing isn't witchcraft. It's like witchcraft light, it's more, it's more a practice, um, a new age practice or something. Um, and then there are people who might think that, yeah, it's definitely witchcraft. Kind of like a Catholic that only goes to church on yeah. Easter and Christmas. Christmas. Exactly. Yeah. Like. I, so a Jewish person that sometimes eats ham. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Like, but there's um yeah there's tons of different kinds of witchcraft out there, and I'm sure there's black magic where you 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 can attract the specific lover that you want, or you can, you know, um, hex someone who's hurt you, or you can cast a spell to make you know something happen that maybe you shouldn't be trying to make happen. Um, again. You know, I think there's a million different kinds of practice out there, and I'm just a girl in New York City from a white background, and so I can't speak to everyone's practice and everyone's culture. Um, but I just, I just focus on the things that I think will make my life better: positive, optimistic, um, loving, kind, compassionate work I don't yeah. I, I, I feel like I mean I guess I could cast a spell to like make my boyfriend stop being a dick but I probably could just ask him could you please stop, stop being, being a, dick? a dick yeah communication um, is the key yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's in I, I was so we were on Luna Luna mag um which you're founder of yeah. magazine online magazine and there was an article about bad tarot cards mm. and my friend and I we're at the dinner the other night, and I recently uh, lost my job. I'm and sorry. Thank you. It's okay. Thank you. Uh, I got I got another one yesterday. Oh, great! Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. I mean, the company kind of went under, so it wasn't really that personal, but it felt very personal, right. even even though it was all fine. Right. But in this past like two months of kind of going through it, I have wanted to go see someone, 
and I'd probably go and see like a, 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 I guess a psychic, maybe once every two years. Okay. And it's normally when I would just like someone to give me attention for an hour. <laughs> like I really like yeah. it is just a That's clear. Fair enough. It Sometimes is. It's like it when I'm nice. craving just some yeah sort of love and just have some perspective, some sort of idea that planted in your mind that you can think on yeah yeah Yeah. just please give me something to kind of work on and my friend we were out for dinner we had like an hour before another show and she's like we would walk past a place with the flashing lights you know like psychic (laughs) (laughs) and we're like yes (laughs) Uh, so we went we went in and it's really an interesting but I feel like I have to coat my brain before it happens to be like just Go with it. Either decide this is a fun experience that you're just going into or make sure you put a positive spin on whatever. Right. Like it's, you know, it's like I feel like I had to, you know, like reality check for yeah. a sec and go because I, I definitely don't know if I truly, I don't think I care if I believe in it or not actually. I just know that I, I do enjoy the experience right. every once in a while and if there is something that I can take something out of it that can help me then right lovely yeah yeah it's almost like you are choosing to um believe that it's entertainment or believe that there's something there and that you're like i i know exactly what you're i don't know what to feel about those psychics right i don't know if i don't do you go i don't um i'm not opposed to it i just like don't normally go but i do get my tarot cards read quite often I do pick the people that I know and I care and I, you know, So trust. a tarot card reader isn't necessarily a psychic? No, they're not necessarily a psychic at all. In fact, I think some tarot card readers um, don't think that they're, you know, have, have any psychic abilities. I think they're just reading the cards and, like, that's what the universe is giving you. Whereas I do think that there are psychics who read tarot and vice versa. Oh, that's interesting. I never really thought about it like that. Um, yeah. Because, like... It's not, I guess some, I guess some people might do things differently, but I think for some tarot card readers that I know and I go to, um, they're just giving, they're just delivering the message of the cards. They're not trying to predict anything for me. They're just the kind of like vehicle. And then I guess there are some people who are like, I feel like this, yeah. you know, going to happen. And, um, I just, I don't know. I don't know what I feel. Yeah. I was recently at one in New Orleans, and that was... Oh, wow. That was a really cool, magical experience, and I totally bought it, and I was like, please, give me <laughs> universal wisdom. I, like, need to think about these things. It is a lovely... Mo- you know, just for someone to be so focused on you for a certain amount of time, and just, it's all about, kind of, yeah. you. It's like, I guess it's the same as going and getting a massage. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Just yeah. If they tell you someone's going to die, you're like, no, okay, back out. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if some of them, I think that some of them have, like, codes of ethic, ethics. I think they like, do, yeah. Yeah, they don't. They try to, like, leave you off with a positive spin. Um, I don't know. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know what to think about psychics. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Oh, I was just... So, you've been with your now boyfriend for about five years, Five said? years, yeah. So, that's a long time. It feels like forever, <laughs> and also no time at all. It's weird. Um, I'm curious, what has, like, your practice 
and your relationship been like? Is, is Does he follow any of it? Or does he no. just say, like, oh, she's doing it again? Yes, that. That's the answer. Um, does her corner with all her yeah. powerful objects. It's true. He's like, no, it's true. He's like, he's, he's, yeah, he's, an, he and I are very, very, very opposite. And so diametrically opposed on so many things. Um, he is the most atheist, pragmatic, logical, rooted in just today's, you know, news and his job. And I'm very much like dreaming of yesterday and what it all means and where do I figure into the universe and how can I make things more beautiful? And I just am not on this level. And he just totally is on the level of reality that like maybe I should be on more often. Um, but yeah, I think he thinks of it as, oh, I think he just thinks I'm kind of crazy. Um, <laughs> he must he love has to love yes, it, Yes, I though. think he must love it. Like, it must be like a curiosity, you know, a, I don't know. He calls I, me, I, has I to be attracted to it. He like, calls me my witchy babe. Aww. He's English, and he says it like, he's oh, like my, my witchy babe. My witchy babe. And I'm like, oh, you're so cute. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I, I actually, I think he, I mean, he knows that I, he knows I've put a lot of thought into it and that I don't just come and I don't just approach it as like, this crystal will give me power. Like, I just, I think of it as an amalgamation of aesthetic witchcraft, like it's a cool aesthetic that I'm into. I'm not going to deny it. Second, I think it, um, it allows me to um, embrace ritual. I was, I was raised with ritual, raised Catholic. Um, and then C, I think it is eclectic enough to let me like make ritual my own. Um, and so I think he appreciates that I've, you know, intellectualized and thought about how it works with my personal self. And I think he just sees it as me being me, but he's certainly not into it. And, but he'll brag about me and like anything I write about mm. if it has to do with it. So that's um, what I, um, that's the kind of last question I kind of want to go into is when obviously writing has been a big part of your journey in life, but when was it when you you know started to feel comfortable enough to be like I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna let the world be a part of this because I'm I'm presuming that that was a very private thing growing up. Oh man, I remember like to the day. Um... I had always been writing poetry. I started publishing in college, and it was they were terrible. Like, I don't know why they published me, but they did, and it was terrible. I look back, and I'm like, oh, my God. I don't God. know anyone that also looks back at their, like, high school and college work, Genius. and they're like... <laughs> I was amazing I from was the go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just... I just I feel, I, feel, I feel confused about why other humans allowed it to be published, but, you know, it's okay. Thank um, God, because you have to get somewhere you yeah. have to yeah that's the weird thing that's yeah. a very strange thing about especially uh, um i guess art creative endeavors is that you only get better over time and you, right. people you have to, to see it, it. right for, yeah but yeah but it, it's crap and it's this weird thing <laughs> of like yeah. when you put it out there it's it's like people pres- presume you think it's fantastic you're like i don't <laughs> i just like, i just needed to start somewhere yeah yeah for sure like yeah, I, I guess I did think they were pretty good then. <laughs> um, uh, I got started in college. I was publishing poetry primarily, 
And then I kind of published a little bit of poetry throughout college. I was trained in journalism. Um, so I was doing like, you know, I was writing for magazines and stuff through my internships. But I had never reached a moment where I thought I was a writer. I always thought I was just a girl who wrote some poems and a girl who maybe wrote some articles and it was okay. And then grad school happened and I had a book, but I still didn't think of myself as a writer because it was kind of a little mini chapbook. And then, um, then in like 2015, uh, two things happened. I got a book deal um, a po for my first full-length poetry collection and I published my first article for the Huffington Post about foster care. And that's when I opened up the, the, rea the, the reality that I was going to talk about this and it was something I had buried in silence for so long. And then from there I think it's only been two years but my career has really like, um, I feel, you know, I still feel imposter syndrome but I do feel like I'm a writer and I've, I think I have like enough experience to say I'm a writer. I wouldn't like ever brag about things, but I think it's going well. <laughs> so that I talk about it actually a lot, um, with my, the woman that I was an au pair for, uh, and she's, I think grown up in an era where you don't really talk about your life. And when mm. she reads articles about pe their people's own... She's just started to read Modern Love in the New York Times. Oh, wow. and, she, and she was telling me about it on the phone the other day. And she's like, and they were talking about their sex life. <laughs> you, know, like, <laughs> you know, she's like an intimate stuff. And then she's like... And then she, they must have interviewed the yeah. writer. And the writer was saying how there was one word in the article that... Um, She'd said while she was, I think she was just about to get it on with her husband and she's at the local grocery store and this guy yells it out to her because oh he's obviously goodness. worked out who she is, you know, at the New York Times. And this lady I, who's become a very good friend of mine, is, I used to work for, she's like, that's, you know, that's a huge thing to put your yeah. such intimate yes. story out there and yet... The, whatever anyone will ever say, and Grace and I talk about this a lot, is that it's really the only time you really connect with an audience is when you tell them the your truth. truth. I completely agree. And then and then yeah. you've got people that will always judge me like, why do you think anyone wants to know your story? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's like, so, there's so many other better stories. It's like, okay, well... This is then it's not for you. Then obviously. move on. Go find yeah. the better ones. I don't know. So how are you asking yeah. people to come on this show? Most of the time they're, well, I don't have, I don't really have an interesting point of view. I mean, yeah. are you sure you'd want to? And it's like, yeah. Yeah. yeah actually, Everyone does have a story. You, do, you have something and I'm sure someone is going to be entertained by it. We definitely <laughs> will be. <laughs> there definitely is right. a, a difference though of talking to someone like you that that has come to that acceptance that I do have a story. I have something to share with the world and I can yeah. help um, by just sharing mine so people can feel relieved of how they feel to talking to someone that has not worked that out yet. At all. Or, or they maybe, haven't come to that. Or they're not on a journey to, yeah. that's just not right. part of... It's just not part of their life. Their, um, so before that Huffington Post article came out, how are you, how are you feeling? Oh my God. Did you feel like this is, everything's gonna change a bit after this or yeah I guess I did and I well you know I never ever talked about it it was just not something I talked about I just felt so shame I you know people would talk about their childhoods and I'd just be like 
I don't know. I, I feel like such an outsider. And then randomly, I was watching a TED talk with um, a poet and a writer um, from London. His name is Lem Sisse, and he was a foster. He was a foster youth, and his his TED talk was amazing and beautiful and like summed up in the most crazy nuanced ways all the little things I felt and I was like oh my god you expressed the weirdest little shit that I I haven't even put my mouth to say and you did it and it's amazing and so that month happened to be foster care awareness month and I was like you know I'm just gonna do this I'm just gonna put this article out there and I did it and it was good and I have noticed people don't really respond that much to the foster care topic. Um, I have three articles coming out about it. One in the New York Times, one in the Post, one in the Washington Post, and one with Narratively. And although I think it's important to tell these stories, and I'm really grateful for the editors who gave me space to do so, um, I still think it's one of the topics that people don't really know much about. Um, it's definitely like a movie, like a, my brain just searches any movie that, would, that has yeah, a exactly. scene of an Foster orphan a yeah kid. yeah exactly you're like harry potter and of green gables yeah and then um, normally like yeah. yeah i there was a show in australia called home in a way that was based around like a, a family that fostered kids so, but oh, that was really this their way to constantly get new characters mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah they would come totally. and stay there anyway um sense. so i just wondered uh, oh are you do you have any questions <laughs> <laughs> no um, my co-host <laughs> No, foster fostering like a child has always been a topic. I have one friend who comes from a just a, an interesting dynamic of a family and I know both of her parents and they're they're nice yeah. people, but she adamantly will never have children. Wow. And she is strong on it and has to do with the way she was raised and, wow. and the family she was raised in. However, she is like an elementary school teacher. She adores children. And she said, if I I were ever to have a child or do anything, I would foster. And she's like, I just, and, and knowing her and you've met her, it's just one of those things where it's like, you are exactly the person that should be doing that. Should that should be doing that. If you I are agree. going to go into any sort of motherhood role, like fostering a child, absolutely. And yeah. I, I think it's not really, people don't see it as an option that much. And it's not really discussed it's as... It's really not. It, I don't know For why. some reason, I don't know, I, I'm not sure if it's because it's come up on This Is Us... The television show that they oh, right. they've I gone under that angle. It. Well, it's fantastic, uh, <laughs> but it definitely is, and maybe because it was in my book. Oh, but, my I, book. <laughs> but I've been hearing a lot more about it recently, and I'm not sure why. Well, I think the country's in a crisis. Right. So there's more media coverage around like certain states and the things that are kind of falling apart in their systems, um, but it's still like of all the things I do whether it's poetry or, or witchy stuff or, you know, anything else I write about, this is the thing that often gets the least likes and least engagement. Um, and it's the thing I'm most passionate about, which is Oh, that's what so you wild. meant when you were like, you get the least reaction from it. Yeah. yeah. I think that people don't... Um, there's so much going on in this country. There's so much going on. But when you think about the most vulnerable people in the country, it's marginalized people and it's children. And... You know, these kids, there's millions of them every year who don't have a home. And not only do they not have a home, they might be being abused in their foster homes. 
these are these are humans who are going to be our next generation that for some reason just really aren't on anyone else's minds. Yeah. They're completely forgotten in a lot of ways. And then so, the system is, is if you don't have a good GPA or yeah, you know, you don't just, have skills then we can't continue the government can't continue nurturing you right, because you're not, you're not Yeah, you you don't accept you're and not you, acceptable. You can't be valuable unless you're in an environment in which, you know, that nurtures your value. So it's a cycle and it's literally they are the children they're the collateral of someone else's damage and I think it's just heartbreaking Mm -hmm. um so is it something you would ever want to do um yeah I totally would I'm not opposed to it at all um I I mean I guess if in the world where I parent children I think I'd like to have I'd like to have one so I can experience that, and I totally would foster and adopt a child. Um, there's so many, and they all, you know, they are like beautiful, loving creatures and need to feel like they have a home. So, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for hey, coming. You're on. welcome. So magical. Oh, I'm so glad. Thank you so much for having me and letting me talk about this. Yeah, no, anytime. Come back whenever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey we'll guys. Get it here. <laughs> yeah. I'm back.